All right. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. How we doing? All right. Okay, good. Uh, hey, glad you're here worshiping with us. Uh, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And uh, if you missed the past couple of weeks, uh, we have been diving into this idea of uh, spiritual disciplines, of, of looking at what are the things that uh, cause us to train our bodies, our minds, our, our spirits, so that we're growing in our faith and our relationship with God. And so we, we've been digging deep into that as a leadership, digging deep into that from, from looking at the entire church, but also uh, from life groups to uh, base camp ministries, which kicks off today. They're, they're starting a brand new curriculum from birth all the way through sixth grade uh, called the Gospel Project. And essentially what is happening is uh, starting with babies all the way through sixth grade, they're going to be learning the exact same message, uh, age specific, all the way through. And they're starting at creation that uh, God created the heavens and the earth and going all through Revelation. It's a three-year program, um, but it's something we're really, really excited about. Um, videos and presentations and homework and uh, in incentives to bring their Bibles, uh, and then things to do with what they're being taught. And so that is launching uh, right now, and we're really, really excited uh, for that. For us, what we've been uh, wrestling is what kind of uh, spaces and rhythms do we need to create in order to grow? Uh, you know this as well as I do, that uh, life is so crazy that it's hard to get space for anything. Uh, in fact, if you're a hoarder in this room, Laura Schultz can help you. She's over here in the yellow. That's like her specialty is to create space. Um, so a, a quick little plug for her business uh, that if you need help organizing, uh, she can help you. But it's the same thing spiritually, right? Is, is we, we run the risk of having a difficult time finding the space and then finding the rhythm so that we can do certain things. If, if you're a parent in this room, Sandy and I have, have spent the last week and a half trying to find a rhythm for school. We have kids in several different schools, uh, high school, middle school, elementary school. Between them, I think they have... Um, what did I count? Like 26 teachers between all, all how many do we have? Four of them. Uh, and so emails, I, God bless teachers, but the amount of emails that we get is just unbelievable. So I've stopped subscribing. Uh, that's Sandy's job now because I can't keep up with all the teacher emails. Anyway, we're having a hard time trying to find a rhythm uh, for the fall and we'll get there, but we haven't found it yet. Uh, same thing with church and, and spirituality and growing in our faith. So this morning, we want to uh, kick off this brand new series called Spaces and Rhythms, uh, trying to make room for the divine. And, and we really want to give you practical tools on what does it mean to be a disciple for Jesus. If you are training yourself, what are the things that you ought to be doing? Things that you have to know, we can debate that. But if you want to grow as a disciple, these are things you ought to be doing. And so we're going to look at scripture memory. We're going to look at um, prayer and meditation. We're going to look at studying the scriptures, which is today. We're going to look at fasting. We're going to look at all these different disciplines that if you are a growing disciple uh, of Jesus, these are things that should be embedded into your habit. I want to start out with a few scripture passages. If you have your Bibles, 
Uh, please open those up. You can open them anywhere. Uh, if you're new around here, one of the things that we're trying to f- uh, enforce, encourage, passionately plea for you is to bring your written Bibles. A lot of you are. Some of you are still stubborn. Uh, I don't know any other way to put it. You just won't bring your Bible. I'm not quite sure why. Uh, And so I'd love to hear why you won't bring your Bible. Um, If you don't have one, there's one in the seat in front of you. But please, 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 if this is your home church, uh, and let me just be honest with you. This week, the enemy told me, stop being so adamant about bringing your Bibles. Like, you shouldn't make a big deal about this. And I almost believed that. And then I thought, are you kidding me? All I'm doing is asking people to bring their Bibles to church. Uh, It's not like I'm asking you to bring your Bible to work or the Rockies game or to the farmer's market. I'm asking you to bring your Bible to church. To me, that doesn't seem like such an outrageous ask. So if you feel and think otherwise, I'd love to hear from you. Anyway, off my soapbox. First one we're going to look at is 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Most of you, if you've been around in the church, you've heard a lot of these verses, so they're not going to be new for you, but I want to highlight them for you. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof and correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. It's useful for training. We talked about that last week, that if we're going to do anything that's above us, we have to train for it. You're not just going to come up here. I can't have Scott come up here and do 100 sit-ups. We'd be calling 911, right? So, But he could train for that, but he can't do it today. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses uh, 7 through 8. Have nothing to do with irrelevant, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. The Bible is so clear. Godliness doesn't just happen. And if you haven't figured this out by now, it certainly doesn't happen by just going to church or or by deciding you're going to be godly. It is much more difficult than that. But the Bible says that we can train ourselves for godliness. For while the body is training is of some value, uh, i.e. sit-ups, pull-ups, push-ups, eating right, it's, it's value in some way. Godliness is a value in every way as it holds the promise for the present life and also for the life to come. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive perishable wreath, but we are imperishable. The gifts and the skills, the rewards, the maturity, the growth, when we as Christ followers train, those are things that are not perishable. Those are things that bring life. They're they're the things that open up understanding. They allow us to see the life of Jesus lived out through us. And now that absolutely gets past the just go through the rhythm, go through the motions of being a God follower or being a Christian or someone who believes in God. It's something that is is training yourself in the ways of of God. You say, well, how am I supposed to train myself in the ways of God? Well, for starters, this morning we're looking at the, the spiritual discipline of study. 
It's important that you know who God is, that you know what the Bible says if you're going to train with it, right? I mean, no one says, hey, uh, would you like to run this marathon? You go, hey, what's a marathon? Oh, don't worry about it. Just do it. Okay, well, I'll do that marathon with you. Like, you know what you're getting into. How many of you guys have done the incline steps? Uh, Yeah, insanity, right? You don't just decide on a whim, I'm going to go eat a Big Mac and then go do the incline steps. You train for that. Uh, Mark Shevlin, he may or may not be here. You don't just decide you're going to do a 14er. You'll die in all seriousness. You you could die. If nothing else, you could get altitude sickness or your, your legs could cramp up or certainly you could die. You don't just decide to do these things. And one of the things we talked about last week is all of us have rhythms in life. Most of our, our lives are about a rhythm or a habit. We just do things without even thinking of it. And that's actually a good thing. Because if we thought about every single action, every single word, especially if you have young kids, we would literally go insane. So it's important that God already pre-wired us to assign certain tasks to be habits. Well, that's good. We talked about this last week. But if sin creeps into those habits, then we're in trouble. And so what we're talking about is forming new habits, forming new ways of walking with Jesus. I've been a Christian, quote unquote, for about 40 years. I became a Christ follower, though, uh, probably right after college where God got a hold of me and said, this is not about believing in God. This is about following Jesus. And and that's when I decided. And and one of the things that has been absolutely uh, instrumental in my faith development and my relationship with God and my growth is this book. Without this book, I'd be in big, big trouble. You see, I grew up in Awanas. Uh, any of you grew up in Awanas or heard of Awanas? I grew up in Awanas, uh, kind of a, a kid's program in churches where you memorize scripture and then they throw candy at you. Not much different than what we're trying to do here, but they, it was just huge incentive. And I did that. I, I memorized scripture. I went through all the books and, and I could memorize anything, but I had no idea what the concepts were. I could spit the verses out. And then when I got out of college and I became a Christ follower, I decided I actually have to know what this says and understanding the meaning behind all these verses that are memorized as a kid that had absolutely no meaning for me. And so for us, what I want to do this morning is to look at this spiritual practice of study. Many of you know know lots of tidbits about Scripture. Uh, I'm sure some of you have posters or crochet knitting or something on your wall uh, at home. You have a mug that says, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. Um, You know, the list goes on of of all these verses. Uh, You may have them written down on a notebook or, or you have it on your phone or, you know, something like that. But how many of us really know uh, consistently what the scriptures say? Do you know that right now, average church attendance for the Christian, this is recent from Barna, average church attendance, where if you go, hey, do you go to church? Yeah, I go to church. That would mean you go 1.4 times a month. That's what I go to church means in today's culture. 
there's, there's a problem with that because if that's what's happening, we're not really diving into this book around other people who are really understanding what this means and worshiping the God that we talk about. I want to ask you, what are the rhythms of your spiritual life? What's your rhythm for following Jesus? What does that look like? Is that, hey, I wake up every morning at six and I read, you know, eight chapters of Leviticus and that's kind of my rhythm? Or is it, uh, I try a couple times a year to find where my Bible is in my home? Uh, I come to church. What, what is your rhythm? I want you to think about that right now. I want you to picture what that is, both in prayer and study and fasting and, and involvement. I want you to think about yourself, not your neighbor, not your wife, you. I want you to think about you, and I want you to think, are you, are you okay with where you are? Like, if you didn't grow any more, is this enough for you? I hope the answer for every one of you is No that there's got to be more than this. There's got to be more than dishes and laundry and stepping on Legos and disciplining kids and going to open houses and everything else. There's got to be more than this. And my answer to you is yes, there is. But it takes work. It takes training. Believe it or not, you have greater needs than shelter and food and friendships and sex and your job. Like you have more needs than that. And some of you are like, I'm not quite sure. Like I think all what you just listed are pretty good for me. Yes, on the surface, but there's more to be had. And throughout this series, we want to expose you to some of those disciplines, some of those training uh, events that you can apply to your life that would open up a whole nother world. One of the ways that your spiritual reality must be renewed is not just knowing slivers of Scripture, but knowing how those slivers fit into a larger narrative that not only reveals truth, but brings hope and life. If we were to go around in this room and, and maybe we were to say, okay, this half of the room is team A, this half of the room is team B, we're doing Bible trivia. Not very fair because Mimi's on this team, but nevertheless, we're going to do Bible trivia. Uh, you guys remember playing that as a kid? Some of you grew up in old style Sunday school church and we do Bible trivia. I always felt like an idiot because again, I memorized the scripture, but I didn't know where they were. I didn't know what they meant, nothing. So whenever they would do the Bible trivia, I, I always felt... Um, kind of a, a lower life form, and, and probably rightfully so, because I had to mature in that. But if we were to do that, I'm sure many of you would raise your hands. You'd be jumping like, all right, who was Noah's wife? And, 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 and who did uh, David have an affair with? And, and you would just be jumping at some answers, right? We have slivers of information regarding Scripture, but do we know what the whole narrative says? Do we know how the whole Bible fits together in this beautiful picture of redemption and hope? Not just for eternity, certainly for eternity, but not just for eternity, but for here and now. Do we understand that? What our goal is to help all of your slivers come together so that you understand what the scriptures say. You guys have a favorite verse? Raise your hand if you have a favorite verse. You don't have to share. I'm not going to call on you. You're like, I'm not raising my hand. He does things. How many of you have a favorite verse? Raise it high. 
Okay, yeah, a lot of us have favorite verses, uh, and it's so good. If someone says, hey, why is this your favorite verse? Uh, this is something I used to do in student ministries with students, is they would give me their favorite verse, and i go, okay, tell me why. Well, that conversation's very quick, because we don't really know what the verse says. We like what it says, but we don't know what it says. And so, again, we're just highlighting some of these things. But those verses that you have... Those verses that, that you write down at the end of a, a Christmas card, or again, you have a poster on your wall, those are slices of heaven. Those are gold. But gold is only valuable if we know that gold is valuable. Does that make sense? In other words, if you were to grab someone uh, out in the, uh, the mountains or, uh, of Africa and they stumble upon gold, they might just look and go, oh, that's pretty and throw it away because they don't know the value of it. You and I know the value of gold. And so if we stumble upon a whole cave of gold, like we are blocking that sucker off. Why? Because there's value in what we've just discovered so what we're going to do is take a 30,000-foot view of Scripture and realize that study is different than reading. Are you with me? If you want an example of this, remember when you were in high school uh, or, or the book that you're reading. You ever, you ever read the same paragraph eight or nine times? And finally you go, this is ridiculous. And you put it away and you finally go to sleep, right? Or you have a student who said, yeah, I did the reading. And you begin to ask them questions about it and they don't have the foggiest idea what they just read. Why? Because reading is different than studying. And yes, we want you to A, find where your Bible is and begin to read it. But our goal as a church, as a leadership is to teach you how to study your Bible. And that's what we're working through this morning and throughout this entire series. Now, to study takes intention. It takes focus. It takes space. It takes getting into a rhythm. If you're going to study your Bible, it is going to take you planning for that. It does not just happen. It, it, it's like prayer works that way. In other words, if I'm going to say, I'm going to begin to pray, okay, I can do that even right now as I'm speaking to you, I can be in prayer. As I'm walking to the car, as I'm driving the car, as I'm at the grocery store, I can pray. But I can't do that with studying the scriptures, right? And so it takes a little bit of space. It takes a little bit of rhythm. There's a German writer and poet, Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. If any of you are pregnant, which I know at least like four or five of you in this room are, this is a potential name for you uh, if you'd like to use this German writer. He said this, I am convinced that the Bible grows more beautiful the more that I understand it. He's on to something, is he not? The more that we understand the scriptures, the more that we understand God's story, the more beautiful it becomes. The less we understand, the less time we spend in it, the more it's a list of rules and regulations and ways that it's going to take away fun from our lives. And when we study it, we find it's absolutely the opposite. A lot of you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. A lot of you have, have, have sat around the scriptures and you know this. You love coming to church and having someone pray over you. 
You, you love singing the songs that Alex and the team leads us in. You love grabbing a bagel and a cup of coffee. You love our, our work days and our mission trips and our base camp ministry. You love coming to church, but it's only an hour and a half or so on a given Sunday, and then it's over. And what we want to do is help you understand that you don't have to wait till next Sunday to experience what you experience here. We want you to experience taking steps in feeding yourself in your relationship with God. I want you to think to yourself, you don't have to answer it obviously, but I want you to ask yourself, how much have I grown on my own in regards to my relationship with God over the last year? Just give yourself a grade. We're in a season of grades, so why not give yourself a grade? An A, an A plus, a B, an F, a D, a C. How, how have you grown? Not, hey, I've loved church, I've gone to church, I've done these things, but you yourself studying, learning, growing, fasting, memorizing, dwelling, praying. How are you doing? It's a worthwhile question. And I'll, and I'll admit to you, uh, both for myself and speaking for the elders, there are days and seasons where we're rating ourselves as a D and others where it's an A. That's life. We're all in the same boat. There, there, there's no like superstar in this room. Why? Because life's hard. If you haven't figured that out, just keep living. You'll get there. Life's hard comes with a lot of turmoil, comes with a lot of boomerangs, comes with twists and turns and peaks and valleys. But God is good. He's so consistent. And we must, and we talked about this last week, if you are not living each day on the strength of the word of God, what are you, what, what are you depending on? I beg you to answer that question. If you are not depending on the strength that comes through this book, what is your strength? Most would say me. Not me as in Brian, but you. People would say, I'd rely on my own strength. I, I rely on my, my own giftings and skills, my own determination. My own, I'm going to hang in there. My own, I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps. And I beg the question, how's that going for you? Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus says this, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, we're not interested in building a church to fill a bunch of seats with people who say, I believe in God. We're not interested in that. We're not interested in, in, in the rah-rah. We're not interested in making sure we're the coolest. We're obviously not the coolest. Look who your pastor is. Like, that's not our job. Our job, our, our call as a church is to help you grow in your faith. You have faith. It's not your husband's faith. It's not your wife's faith. It's not your kid's faith. You have a relationship with God. And it's our calling to help you grow that relationship with God so that the worship becomes more alive. So that base camp ministry becomes more alive. So that when we go to Juarez, that becomes more alive. 
so that when life really throws you curveballs, your faith is strong and can sustain itself. You know that Jesus quotes the scriptures several times throughout his ministry. He quotes Deuteronomy 10. He quotes Psalm 11. He quotes Isaiah 11, Exodus 7. He references Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He is constantly referencing scripture. He's constantly bringing us back to what do the scriptures say? There are times when Jesus says, you have heard it said, but I say to you, if anyone had a a platform to say, I know the scriptures say this, but here's what you need to hear. The only one that has that is Jesus. And even Jesus referred back to the scriptures because it is so important for us to understand that the scriptures are, is not just a textbook of, of facts and history and geography and a bunch of names and some fun stories that may or may not be true, and we can debate all that. It's more than that. And I want to ask you, how do you look at the scriptures? This, this series is going to be very personal, okay? I told Sandy this morning, I'm a preacher by nature, and, and I'm a teacher secondary. Alex is a great, great teacher. And so this is a little bit of a struggle for me because I need you to think very personable about this series and apply it to your life. That's why I'm begging you to bring your Bibles and a pen so you can take notes and go, what is this for me? Pastor and author Timothy Keller puts it, in this way, in our discovery of the scriptures, especially the gospel. Here's what he says about the gospel. We are more sinful and more flawed in ourselves than we ever dared to believe. Yet at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ when we, than we ever dared hope. Just, look, just take a look at this. And you don't understand this. You don't understand how sinful and flawed and broken and how desperately in need you are of an incredible Savior if you don't read the Scriptures. Because otherwise you're left with just taking my word for it. And eventually my word will get old. And you'll dismiss it. But if you read it in the Scriptures, if you understand the Scriptures, if you study the Scriptures, you will find you are infinitely in need of a great Savior. And He is really good at what He does. And so we study. No matter how busy we are in life, we must remember the most transforming practice available us is to take the proactive step to study this book. That's what we must be doing. It's, it's not only a must for you as an individual, it's a must for us as a church as we grow, as we continue to disciple people, as we continue to reach people who are currently far from God with no relationship with him whatsoever. It's important that we are all pushing and pulling in the same rhythm at the same time, at the same strength for us to grow as a church because in the study of God's word, he transforms us. We actually get to know God. Think about that. Think about if you were to have a lunch with anybody in history, dead or alive, who would it be? 
Now, some of you are super smart, so you'd probably come up with someone that we'd never heard of. Mark would have some music person that does music stuff. <laughs> he threw out a name. He had a date day with his kids the other day. Who'd you see? Bruce yeah. Yeah, I was thinking he was like a football player. He's not. <laughs> Think about who you would have lunch with. And you get to know them top to bottom, inside and out. That lunch can last as long as you want. Abraham Lincoln. You can't pick Jesus. That's an easy one. Who would you pick? Do you know that through the study of Scripture, you have that ability 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You get to sit with God and learn his life. You can learn his story. You can learn what makes him cry. You know, the Bible tells us what makes him cry. You, you can learn what makes him laugh. You can learn, learn the things that are the priority for him. You can learn what's most important to him. You, you can learn about how it all started and how it's all going to end. You can learn all of that in the scriptures, and yet we don't read it. And here's the God of all creation saying, ask me anything. I'll tell you. Do I have you convinced yet that we have to create space and get into a rhythm to study the scriptures? Nod your head yes or no. Okay. This is so critically important. And so I want to look at a few primary ways that we do this. Number one, we hear the word of God. This happens every Sunday when you come here. You get to hear the word of God. Some of you listen. Uh, if you're like me, you have a little bit of ADD or ADHD or you, you, you have it, but you're just telling people you don't, but you know you do. You know who you are. You can actually listen to the scriptures free online. You can pick any book of the Bible. You can pick any passage. You can hit play and you can just uh, hear the word of God. Jesus taught in Luke chapter 11, verse 28, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Blessed, it is the idea that you're heading in the right direction. If you hear the word of God and you obey it, you're heading in the right direction. This, uh, th this brings up Sunday mornings. This is why it's so important for you to hear the word of God and read the word of God, to have your Bibles open on your lap so that it is absorbing into your being. Kids, don't get this the wrong way. The way the Bible works is different than history or science or math. You can't just set the book on your head and absorb intel for your test. But there's something about hearing, being near, wrestling with, touching the word of God that you grow. It's mysterious, it's miraculous. So have the word of God on your laps in the morning. Another side point, why do you need to bring your Bibles on Sunday? Because my kids are watching you. And I want my kids, and I want your kids to grow up going, man, I don't know about your church, but at my church, I grew up and everybody had their Bibles. 
please bring your Bibles. Am I making that clear enough? Please bring your Bibles. Please bring your Bibles. Please bring your Bibles to church. Please bring your Bible. I'm begging you. You need it. And if you don't own one, I'll buy you one. We'll go on. You can pick whatever color. And we could even buy book tabs and highlight. I'll buy it all for you. But please bring your Bibles. Because the other result is sitting back with our arms crossed just listening. You don't have to uncross your arms if that's you right now. I'm just saying it could just be the condition. Some of you are like, whoop. It could just be the condition of our heart. Please bring your Bibles and absorb yourself. Listen, you can be angry with me all you want. You could even not like me. But I will not stop telling you to bring your Bibles. Our elders are going to be going around asking you, help us understand why you won't bring your Bible. Why? Because it's our elder's job to oversee your spiritual growth. That's the elder's job. And so we are going to go around and I'm going to go, hey, Dan, you're an elder. Why didn't you bring your Bible today? And Dan's going to go, I forgot it, which he did today. (laughs) Thanks, Dan, for being a perfect pawn. (laughs) It happens. But I want you to say, I don't want to. And then we can have that discussion. Why? Why don't you want to? Because ultimately it will come down to, I don't necessarily believe what it says. Or I'm lazy. Or I don't like to carry one more thing in. You're going to have a reason. And so then we can work through that together. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says this. So faith comes, what comes? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Your faith comes through hearing the word of God. Doesn't come through your tithe. It doesn't come through serving. It comes through hearing the word of God. Timothy admonished the church in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. And then this famous passage in Deuteronomy chapter 11 called the Shema, which is Hebrew for listen. So commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. I'm not asking to wear it on your forehead. I'm just saying, please bring your Bibles. Nevertheless, tie them to your hands. Wear them on your forehead as reminders. Teach them to your your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you are on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Allow the word of God to be the most important important, the, mo- the, the greatest thing you spend your time with. I have this annoying little thing plugged onto my phone now that tells me how much time I spent daily on my phone. You guys have that? It's awful. Like, it's terrible. 
And it's terrible because it causes me to reflect how much time did I spend with my wife, which was our 22 anniversary this year. How, how much time did I spend in the word? How much time did I spend in prayer? How much time did I spend for those who are in great need? This stupid thing is like a terrible accountability partner. Because it'll say, you spent 2.6 hours daily on your phone. And, I, and then I have to justify it to the phone. Like, this doesn't have any feelings, but I'm justifying myself to the app. All right, we're going to have to speed. Not like Alex get a ticket speed. Just we're going to have to move pretty quickly here. Secondly, we hear the word of God, we read the word of God. We read the word of God. Jesus assumed that those who he was speaking to read their Bibles. You ever thought that? Jesus had this crazy assumption that whenever he would speak, people that he was speaking to had read their Bibles or heard of it. Kind of a lost art in today's times. We just make this great assumption that people actually read their Bibles. He once asked the people in the book of Mark, haven't you read the scriptures? He pictured Jesus saying this, like, I don't understand why this is so hard. Haven't you read the scriptures? You can picture Jesus doing this in a robe and some sandals. Haven't you read your scriptures? And then he goes on. The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it's beautiful to see. If you haven't read the scriptures, you're like, that guy's crazy. He's talking about a, a stone and a cornerstone, and he says he's beautiful. I, like, I don't get it. And Jesus is like, if you've read the scriptures, you'll understand what I'm talking about. You see, Jesus taught not to be right, but to bring life. Jesus didn't teach to win an argument. He didn't teach to win a debate. He, he read the scriptures and taught the scriptures as an essential to life. I'm going to give you four fast ways to begin your study. Number one, come to church to not just listen to the word, but to hear the word. You understand the difference? It's, it's the same difference as reading compared to study. Don't just listen to it, but hear it. Bring your Bibles, bring a pen, bring a highlighter, circle, underline. If you notice on our screens, we have several examples of arrows and underlines and circles and highlights. There's one on the screen right now. Your Bible is your training ground. If you've ever been to the gym, I won't ask you to raise hands, the one the last time that was, but if you've ever been to the gym, there's some like hardcore gym rats, and you'll see them, they, they have a, a notebook, and it's kind of wound up, and, and dirty, and it's written in, and they write how many reps they've done, and everything, a lot of people do it on their phone now, but, it, but it's wrestled with, it's their, it's their training manual. Number two, get a study Bible. If you, if you struggle with, with understanding this book, get yourself a good study Bible. The ESV and the NIV have really great study Bibles. It's amazing how much they make the Word of God come alive. Number three, start reading. First, find your Bible. 
Start reading it. People say, well, where should I start? People will always go, well, I really do recommend the book of John. Or, you, know, you know what my response is? I don't care. Timothy says all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for training. Just start reading something. Now, there's some books that are harder than the others, but just get into it. Read something. Read a verse. Start reading something. Scholar said it would take you about 72 hours to read the Bible cover to cover. 72 hours. Most could read it in a month if you fasted your television time. You could read it in one year if you took 15 minutes every day. 15 minutes every day you could read the Bible cover to cover. Three years if you took five minutes every day. Think about that. And that's available to you right now. And finally, start studying the Word of God. Start studying it. Don't just read it. Study it. You say, well, I don't have time. I'll let you wrestle with that answer. Life's super busy. I'm going to let you wrestle with that answer. So we need to study the Word of God. And I want to give you a couple of ways as kind of a litmus test and also uh, kind of a roadmap on how do I know if I'm progressing in studying God's word. And, and I put this up here in lieu of uh, school is starting, right? So college students have classes, high schoolers have classes, statistics 101, blah, 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 all these different things. So I thought, all right, well, let me give you my best shot. Now, before you send me emails or find me afterwards, I know this is not the, the roadmap for everybody, Okay, we can jump around, we can do different things. But I want you to take a look at this. Am I progressing in study? 101, you're starting out, you're beginning to read your Bible. A, find it, begin to read it. Find your Bible, read it, observe, write down frustrations, questions, observations, and what you're learning. That's the basic of reading your Bible. That's the basic of beginning to study. Some of you, again, personal, right? How many of you have done number one much this week? You can answer that. And once you find that rhythm a little bit, go to 201. Look up key words. Study theological words. There are so many words in here like redemption and salvation and eternity, and we think we understand, but we haven't studied it on our own. So begin to study those theological words. I gave you two different websites, blueletterbible.org or logos.org. Those are two great basic websites that you can use to grab certain words from Scripture and start doing your own study. Begin to listen to podcasts and other sermons. Don't just listen to me. Don't just listen to Alex. Don't just use Sunday mornings. But grab some of these other preachers and, and begin to fill your mind to study the Word of God. Once you've started doing all that, graduate a little bit. Take a difficult class, 301. Study a particular book of the Bible. There are so many resources out there that, that help you on this kind of a study. You say, well, I want to uh, begin to study the book of 1 Peter. Awesome. There are some great books out there that can help you study that book. I want to study the book of James, which I would highly recommend. Uh, I want to study uh, the book of Philippians, which, again, highly recommend. Because I want to understand more about what it says. I don't just want to read it. So study the book of the Bible. Study grammar. Some of you are like, I don't even understand the English grammar. 
All right, well, it's going to take you a little bit more. Study grammar, study content, study history, culture, geography. Surround the entire text with the original audience and the setting. Why? Because then you'll know what the scriptures say. And, and you won't just grab a verse that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and apply that to a test you didn't study for. You won't do that anymore because you'll know what the verse says. And then kind of a 401, take everything that you've been doing if you're growing and add the study of doctrine and theology. Dig deeper into this God who you're going to meet someday. And start studying theology and doctrine. Critically examine parts of scripture and discover how they relate to the larger narrative. Start connecting the dots. Does this seem overwhelming? It should. But it's a progression. It, it, it's, it's something I want so I want so much more for you than just believing in God. I want our kids to know so much more than just we go to church on Sundays. I desperately want this for you. And, and, and I'll end with this, and I apologize for being late. When you begin to do this, there's a couple of things that you need to know. There's a few things that as you begin to study the Bible, as you begin to tiptoe into deeper study, not just reading, but actual study, number one, you will not always have an emotionally charged time with God. Sometimes you're going to go to the scriptures and there's going to be no emotion. You're just going to have to plow through it. It's like when you go for a run and the run sucks but you know it's good. You just got to keep, get through that. And other times you go to the gym and it feels amazing. Every time is not going to be emotionally charged. You're not going to love every time you go before God. Do not have that expectation. You're not going to have this mysterious, miraculous, wonderful, Holy Spirit goosebump moment every time you go before God's word. It's not going to happen. So know that. You will not always understand what you're reading. Welcome to my world. I'm trying to read through the scriptures again, cover to cover, and I'm doing it differently this year. I'm trying to read through it like as a detective to not just read through it, but I'm trying to really connect the dots and the names and the lineage and, and why certain things happen. It's taking me forever because I have to constantly go back to commentaries. And a couple weeks ago, I ran into this uh, enemy <laughs> that was like, you're taking too long. You're taking too long. And I had to fight back by, doggone it. You're not in charge of me, enemy. I'm studying the word. Number three, you're not alone if it feels difficult. I know I, I'm harping and begging you to bring your Bibles and you're thoroughly annoyed with me saying it. Maybe that's hard for you. You're not alone. You say, well, it's hard to get in the word somehow every day. You're not alone. There are billions of people on this earth trying to seek God in the midst of culture. You're not alone if it's hard. And finally, if you're going to do this, if you're going to begin to create space 
and develop a rhythm for spiritual disciplines, you're going to have to be steadfast. Think diet. Diets are really good in piece of cake when you're on a hike. Diets are really hard when you get home and you're standing in front of your fridge. Are you with me? Uh, the, the diet, the spiritual discipline of reading your Bible is fairly easy once you're reading. It's super hard when you're trying to get out of bed to go read. And it's okay. But you're going to have to be steadfast. This whole idea is to do exactly what the main slide says. You can go to the main slide, uh, Derek, thanks. Making room for the divine. Are you interested? You're not the divine. Hopefully that's not a newsflash for you. It's easy to make room and develop a rhythm for you. Are you interested in the divine? That's what spiritual disciplines are all about. So let's pray together and let's worship. So God, we have we have your word. And your word brings life. Your word changes us. In fact, your word says that it's useful to help us realize what's wrong in our lives and then to correct us and then teach us what's right. And we are very well aware we live in a world, we live in a culture who does not want to be told what they think is wrong, what they believe is wrong. And yet your scriptures are so abundantly clear and we want to be obedient to those. We want to see our lives transformed. We want to see these, these little kids, some that are in the womb right now. We want to see those kids that are in the womb. We want to see those kids jump in faith. We want to see our kids grow up like Ellie to go to Africa. We want to see our kids. We want to see us in this room say, yes, Lord, we will go wherever you say we will go. But if we don't understand the story, if we don't understand how it all fits together, if we're not studying the scriptures, how are we supposed to know? And what audacity do we have going to other countries, Juarez and Vietnam and Africa, to tell people about the scriptures that we're not reading? So please come and and draw us closer to you. There are, pe there are people in this room and those who are watching online that need to make some definitive decisions and some adjustments to their schedule to create space and rhythm to get into your word. Please do that work as we worship. 
We want to be a church that's growing deeper and stronger for you. Disciples who are making disciples who are making disciples. So we love you. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you please stand?